the Glenville Pipe Bands World Championship uh, performance uh, two-ish weeks ago at the Worlds. So here we go. So that was the Scotia Glenville winning performance. Um, and 
we have with us today Maureen Connor and uh, Eric McNeil, the deadly duo from uh, the Scotia Glenville um, scene going on here. And what we're going to do is pass the camera over to them. And we're going to ask them a few questions and stuff. So uh, <laughs> let's see here. What am I doing? Am I playing a little bit of the Oprah theme music? Or not? Um, <clears throat> you see you're going to use your computer? Oh, that makes it easier. Carl is getting them set up here. And then you want to use your microphone also? You want to use my microphone. Okay. There they are, live on camera. Are we camera. live on camera? Yes, you're live. Oh, my. <laughs> so, um, how's it going, guys? How does it feel to have uh, created some little brat world champions? They're not really little brats. No, they're actually, they're actually okay, I think. But uh, does it feel good, or you felt better, or? It was awesome. It's pretty cool. What um, what's it like? So explain explain to us the um, experience. Like, I, I know what it's like, but you know, it's the end of the day. Grade one bands are finished. Uh, well, how does it all go down? Well, you you march. You, go, you can go ahead and talk nice and loud. You march onto the field. You do the march past, and we got on ridiculously early. I think we we're like the fourth or fifth band on. So we had to wait for all. What's the march past? When at the Worlds in Scotland, they have the previous six grade one um, bands playing as all the other bands march past and salute the chieftain. Yeah, so that's a little bit different than how we do it here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't play. You just march past. Yeah, so they've got some good bands that play. Um, uh, they play six eights, yeah. right? And then the other bands just sort of present themselves and then they sort of form this big blob. blob. Right. Uh, and then they sort of stand around and that's how they get the results, which I think is kind of interesting. Okay, so you did that and then uh, you got in there and then what happens? And then... Um, Novice was pretty soon in the results. First contest after the drum majors. Yeah. So we, they do all the drum majors and then they announce the Novice Juvenile. Okay, so, and then the other thing they do is they announce the winners first, right? They don't do it in reverse order. That's, That's correct. Right. So you didn't have to wait too long. No, it's a, no, it makes it way more intense, I think, that when they announce the result like that. Yeah, That's why don't we do that in the USPBA? Totally I don't know, it's kind of a North American thing, because they do, they, do, they do it the way we do it in Canada. Yeah. They do? Yeah. Yeah. Not in Ontario, they don't. Yeah, yeah they, they do. do. They do? Yeah. They announce the winner first? No. No. They do it the way we do it here. Yeah. Like, why doesn't everybody do it that way? It seems like you should know who wins first, and then, then you should be worried about the runner-up and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, um, so that's good. And then, I don't know, so then they read out the announcement and... They drag it out. They drag it out. It's, what's the name of the shield? The Macmillan Shield, I think, possibly, and British Airways Cup. Novice juvenile. It's Ian Embleton. And then they do that. Well, they the do first the, thing they do. The first thing they do is the drum corps result. Is the drum corps result. And, right. Uh, uh, and that went. The drummers have been playing really well. And uh, and then of course they announced George Watson's College had won the drumming, and they 
who is an excellent program, uh, he, George Washington yeah. College Juvenile Program. It's going to be pretty uh, tough to beat that drum corps. That novice juvenile yeah. drum corps has won the world's drumming in novice juvenile every year since 2003. Uh, so we knew so they're pretty good. that yeah. it was going to be very difficult to beat them. So when they said George Watson's won the drumming, it was like, okay, okay, you know, uh, okay, no problem. And then your heart starts to sort of pound a little bit, and it, it, it was felt right, like it eternity. was right here. It was right yeah. here, and I thought I was gonna explode. Yeah, I think my head was pounding. Oh, I've been there. Um, <clears throat> I've of course been second at the world's four times with SFU. But they, with the grade one, you have to wait all the way to the end, That's which right. makes you, you're just like, you're ready for bed by the time. <laughs> <you're ready>. um, <clears throat> that's good. So um, before we continue, yeah, let's make sure um, that people are typing in lots of questions and stuff because, you know, how often do you get these two people of this echelon in, you know, at Dojo University? And the answer is, of course, really all the time because that's what we do, so, you know. But, um, Susan can't get the audio. Is everybody else hearing us okay? Yep, okay. That's good. Sounding good. Well, make sure you type in any questions. So I have some questions. So, so they read you off as world champions, but was there a time when the band wasn't playing at this level? Oh. Ever or yeah, like, just last year? Or like what, the, way I, the way I look at it is... The way I look at it is, as soon as Maureen got involved, it must have been immediately as good as gold. Wow, I wish that was the case. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, that's not the case. You're sort of like the, the great Midas of pipe bands. Right, no. <laughs> no? Okay, so um, explain a little bit about um, the history of the band and how you got to this point. Well, the, the short, I guess the sort Don't of be short. short. We got time. Oh, we got time. Okay. Like, like, you know, and I think one thing people would be interested in, you know, because you really brought a band from absolute zero. That's true. All the way to this point. How long, how long did it take? Like, when did you first start the project? Um, I first started with Scotia Glenville in 1994. And so it's 18 years then. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know. I work fast. <laughs> Well, what's interesting was, is it doesn't happen in three years, does it? No, no. It really doesn't, and it takes a lot of time. That being said, um, to build a world champion pipe band um, in 18 years is not that long, I don't think. It's long, Yeah. but yeah. if you're committed to it, it seems like... And what's, what's interesting yeah. and that most people need to realize is, is uh, it's an 18-year project... But of course, but, no one who was no one has been involved except Maureen for 18 years. Right. And most of the kids who have been playing are a, a three, four, five year project. But the only reason why the band at this point is so good is because of all the work that the organization did in all the years leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, tell us a little bit about how you went about getting, um, you know, how, how you built the band up because I think that's. That's something I know about, but I think people want to know that. It's like, so how do you, you know, and you weren't successful immediately. So what were, where were some of the things that you went wrong and what are some of the things that you did? Like, let's hear well, it. Well, through, through the 90s, um, it was a mixed age band. So there were kids. Um, it originally started out as a school project, kind of an after school evening session kind of thing. 
and there were um, uh, school administrators, there was a parent of a former member, um, and through the 90s, it was a small grade five band. Um, actually, we didn't even compete until, for the first time, until 1999 in grade five. And maybe 98, but I think it was 99. And in the 2000, the two things that happened that were really important. The first change was um, kind of a couple things happened simultaneously, but Eric got involved in doing the drumming. Did now, you, when, when did Eric get involved in the drumming? It would have been 2002. No, it was that's when I, Well, that's when I started coming regularly. Right, but you were, you were coming out doing like little yeah. band day sessions before that, and Joanne Gomez was teaching the drumming and getting her on board and getting a connection with um, Reed Maxwell when he would come out and do the workshops with Orrin Moore and Albany and Syracuse and that kind of thing. Yeah. That was the first big thing that happened. Um, and the band made, you know, slow progress, but it was pretty um, depressing when we moved up to grade four and two years in a row at the Capital District Scottish Games. Um, we came in last place. Yeah, we had yeah. minimum numbers. All we had minimum, minimum numbers. numbers and in all sections. In all band. sections, and the band couldn't handle. Th there were kids that were just too new and too young, and we didn't have enough numbers. So the next thing that happened, which was kind of uh, important, was the, uh, um, it was in 2005, <laughs> Eric's laughing because it was a rather dramatic moment on my part, but we were at Maxville and we came in. No, we're in Montreal. No, that's right. We were in Montreal and uh, I saw the score sheets and, you know, we always read the score sheets after the worlds and or after the contest and uh we i knew we were going to be in last place again and i just couldn't handle it this is like a couple years now and i just couldn't handle it so i dan cole and then we'll just we'll do that and then you can keep an eye on things <clears throat> sorry to interrupt that's okay i was telling such a good story too so you <laughs> 2005 the, the band was the band was last and maureen couldn't share the results. So I remember Dan Cole and I were there uh, hanging out and supporting the band that day. And Dan and I said we would read the sheets. And, and Dan read the sheets. Dan read the sheets and informed the band that they they finished on the sheets 13 out of 15 bands. Now bands 14 and 15 didn't play that day. <laughs> but we did not share that with the kids. And there was a defining moment where the kids were like, you mean we weren't last? Well, you were, according to this, you were 13 out of 15, and they were pumped. They were thrilled. It was kind of wild. <laughs> and uh, one of the bass drummers, Sarah Mancuso at the time, said, looked at me with these, like, puppy dog eyes and said, can't we just have a couple of adults help us out and play in the band? And I, you know, by the early 2000s, we had converted to a junior band only, kids. And I knew that they could play well. I knew that they could do it. Um... It was just too small, too young, and so I basically said I was that was it. I was done. I couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle that look. So you in were going to throw it in. Yeah. No, you're. Yeah. So this is 2005. Right. Ma done. Montreal. So this was like seven years ago. Yes. Done. You're, you're finished. You no. can't take it anymore. So we drove. So, um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, at some point, I mean, I so. remember at some point it was it was started to go really well. Well, the I'm drive. Following this. The drive. The, it was all about the drive home from Montreal, and I just said, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And Eric says, Stop. <laughs> And he uh-huh. said, right, we had, he, we had, he said, we're going to make a list. We're going to make a list. And we had it, Scotia Glenville, by the way, had the first spring training. Um, we did it in the spring and we, there was a whole bunch of kids that showed up. And so we made a list of every kid that we knew that Donald was teaching, that I was teaching, that Marion Lewis was teaching, that you were teaching. Um, and we made a list, a giant list. And we invited them all to come to a band day in the fall. Up, up until that point, the, the Scotia Glenville Pipe Band was pretty much kids who went to Scotia Glenville. Which uh, is a school. Which is a, a, a small well, yeah, school. It's yeah. a, it's an average size school district. There were a handful of players uh, who were involved at that point, but they were all, it would have been like the next town over. Um, we had uh, no one from very few players from outside the cat from outside that very small part of the capital. District yeah, the area. Wilsons came from uh, Kinderhook and Valencia and the that Maginuses. was rare though. Yeah, yeah, they were mostly they, yeah Galway, Galway, Scotia, Schenectady. Yeah, well, I know, you know, and and I think Donald Lindsay, who most of us know, I mean, he started to get involved in. And you know, with the band a little bit, as as I understand it. Yeah. Oh yeah. We called Don. I think Donald probably got a phone call on that car right home. <laughs> Donald, who do you know? Uh, and he had suggested that players at that time, players like Michael McCool and uh, David Peters, um, and uh, Matthew Christian and, and Johnny Jan, uh, Johnny Duncan. Yeah. Andrew Wilkinson. Yeah. Uh, uh, he had, you know he had a number of people who he brought into the woodwork. I had some students down in Oneonta. Okay. So yeah. how does this all, so how did, so you invited a bunch of people to the Yeah, band. we decided we were going to change the format of the, the way that we ran practices. We were going to do weekly practices, but we had to start to do something to accommodate out-of-town players. And so we started to run yep. Saturday band day sessions. Uh, where Which you still do. Which we do still yep. do. Um, several players from, and we that's how we integrated uh, these out-of-town players and, and got them in. And they all had to be taking lessons with somebody. Yeah. The long-distance players tend to be more independent because they're only coming to practice on the band days, some Wednesdays during vacations, before contests, things in like the that. time it's a little bit easier, but yeah. in the school year, yeah. So um, that was a big change for the band. Big Any change questions? for the band. Um, for the... All of a sudden, we had a, we had a band. <laughs> so all of a sudden, in 2006, you have a band. We have a band. Oh yeah. We went from we went from I think seven pipers, three snare drummers, a tenor and a bass, to 16, 16 pipers, five snare drummers, two tenors and a bass, and and it grew even more the next year. But we finally yeah. we had something going on at that point. Okay. We played, so we you had something going on, and as I recall, it would have been a grade five or four. Four. It was a grade four band. And were you, did you start to take prizes in 2006? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Manchester Indoor. Manchester Indoor was the, the first contest out that the band played uh, in their sort of new, newly hyped And it was like, version. it was in a high school gym, and 
They won. They were so pumped up and so jacked up. Yeah. They and you should have seen it when they announced the prize because it was like a like at a basketball game. <laughs> like, ah! Yeah, uh, it was well for sure. It was definitely the first oh, oh, yeah. prize that Scotia Glenville would have ever taken significantly, and that marked a, a serious turning point because we had sort of sold to. It was a big deal for the players who were coming in, uh, the long distance yeah. players, because it, it suggested that maybe they could be, you know, this was going to work. And for the players who were around the year before, it was the light, they could see the light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know, they weren't going to be last anymore. Something was finally starting to happen. So that was a big yeah. momentum builder. Okay. And then uh, was that the year, the faded year, where you decided to go to the Worlds? Well, as a matter of fact, this is another turning point. Because um, I remember, I think I was there. You that. were there. You were there. You were part of the whole <laughs> conspiracy. Conspiracy to, to set me up. Um, so Paula Glendening had asked Jack Lee. Who's Paula Glendening? I know who she is. But. Paula is uh, a teacher um, and a piper. She lives in Maryland. She teaches uh, the Rockville High School Pipe Band. It's another great juvenile program. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. She played for many years in the city of Washington Pipe Band. And um, so they basically, you know, You're Jack, Invermark. we're at Invermark because we went to Invermark every year, every summer. We went there in some way. And you sort of, over time you started, you know, Jack was sort of a mentor, I would say, for the band. Definitely. For a while. Well, Jack, yeah. Reed has always been the biggest mentor, yeah, but Jack yeah. helped out a lot. Yeah, we, I think you. there's a few times when you brought Jack out for yep. long, long weekends. Yeah. We would do solo lessons with the kids and, and work with and the And do band. some band stuff and yeah, whatnot. I remember some of those. And then, of course, Reed was, Reed was one of the big mentors for our whole scene for a, quite a while. Reed oh, yeah. yeah. So and he was working yeah. with the Oren Moore Drum Corps when we were working to get out of grade two. Reed was a major, big influence uh, uh, for, for me and for many of the people who are playing in the drum corps. I almost feel like, you know, Reed, it's not so much the drumming that he taught you guys, and, you know, it's not so much that, that really, it was more just the attitude and, uh, and oh, how, yeah. to, how to make it happen. He would Reed come would, out. Reed would be great. He'd, you know, he'd come out, and <laughs> he, he would come out and spend a whole week teaching drumming and stuff, and then, of course, the, the moment that really sort of made it all worth it would be the casual flipping comments that he would just drop in here and there. Oh, and, and he loved, like, he loved like you know, setting me up, setting Eric up uh, in front of the kids. Yeah. We'd go out to dinner at the end on a <laughs> Sunday night. That... So I think the biggest one was the, the night that Reed suggested that you should go to the Worlds with the kids. Well, no, that was Jack at Invermark. I'm pretty sure, well, I remember Reed that night, And then too. Reed, and then... I think he went to bed upset, very pissed off at Reed Dancehall <laughs> that night, as I recall. Yeah, you were, Jack... you were PO'd. Well, what happened was we we were doing this band session, and I came in, it was after, like, lunch. Jack was working with the kids. I was assisting, and Jack looked at me and said, Maureen, I think the kids have something to ask you. And in unison, one, two, three, we want to go to the Worlds. Yeah, I'm and little Michael Miller all excited about this. And my, you know, my eyes got really big, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've always dreamed of that but never thought I could do it. And I just looked at them, and I said, well, when are we going to go? Oh, next year, next year. And how are we going to pay for it? And you hear, like, we'll raise funds, we'll do parades. Our parents will write checks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure. 
so then that night we were at uh, one of the suites. All the yeah. instructors were hanging and out. It was there were some column kill folks there. From, yeah, Cape I Cod. remember from Cape Cod. Yeah, um, and they were there, and they're big Reed Maxwell fans, and we were everyone was kind of hanging out, eating pretzels, drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs> And then, and then they just, Paula was incessant. Reed was incessant. And I, I just kept saying like, I dropped in and was like, Hey Maureen, I hear you're going to the world. (laughs) And I I was just completely like, what I think what I said to you later is I said, you know, that's something that I really would love to do, but I kind of wanted to talk about it without being like ganged up on by (laughs) everybody. We didn't care though. No, no, (laughs) no. That's secondary. Secondary. So talk about it logistically okay so and at first you're kind of like upset by the idea which i think is kind of interesting because i find nine out of ten bands that i know of locally when when the idea of going to the world comes up i wouldn't say it necessarily upsets them but that's the first reaction isn't it no way we're not ready this is crazy yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh Okay, now let's let's keep that in our minds then. So, okay, no way, we're not ready, that's crazy. Right. So when did you go to the Worlds? We went in, in 2007. 2007. So you went, um, and, and the band did well in 2007. Yeah, the first trip uh, that we did, the first trip um, was, look, looking back, so far of the three, the band has gone the hardest to get off the ground. Uh, because... <laughs> The first one was the, first the hardest was to the get hardest. off the ground. Yeah, we had to uh, convince parents. We had to convince parents that the investment of plane tickets and whatnot was not was worthwhile. And to go along with that, we had to convince parents that not only was this a worthwhile trip to attend, uh, but that it wasn't going to be just a vacation in Scotland. They were going to fly to go over there for a week to practice and work hard. And yeah. There were many parents uh, at the time who thought we were nuts. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we had uh, we had um, a lot of help from our a handful of parents. Of there was a few kids actually uh, that year over the trip to to go, and when the expectations were laid out about how we would do it, who left, left yeah. the organization left, yeah. not interested. It was the same way when Oren Moore decided oh, to go a few years oh, earlier. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, some people leave, right? I mean, yeah, but we also it attracted other players uh, who otherwise, you know, might not have gotten involved. Um, and we ended up with a really excellent band that year, and they they finished. They tied the qualifier with Inverary, Inverary the band that's Inverary now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they we came in third in the finals. Yeah, I remember that pretty well. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And everybody was overjoyed. So two years later, we brought the band back again. Uh, they were upgraded following that year by the RSPBA, the juvenile, and then and grade three and moved here. into grade three locally. Uh, and we developed that for a few years. Um, we went back in 2009. A lot of those players are in Orr and Moore now. So Several of them are first. in Orr and Moore. Yep. Uh, actually, well, uh, Mike McCool, Mike Miller, Alex Allendorf. April Carmichael. And some drummers, too. Yep. And some some went and went and then left, but, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, a lot of those are in RMR now, and so that was pretty cool. I would say, right, my, I would say that after the juvenile trip, though, there was a problem with not really enough people sort of reinforcing. Maureen and I, while this was going, it was kind of funny, we, uh, 
we were we had massively expanded the band in 2006 and we continued to recruit and develop and we actually got more aggressive about the way that we recruited mm-hmm. um, trying to get flyers into more schools and get the word out more and uh, there was a couple one year uh, we must have handed out 900 flyers to various schools just hundreds and hundreds of flyers uh, no one showed no up. one yeah no one showed up that was up so for depressing that was a very and this is in the middle and we talked about it at the time like uh, if we we're going to have a problem because this band is going really well but uh, the, you know the nature of a juvenile band is that players will age out and then we didn't gonna, have an, we anybody didn't on the have, back end we didn't have a big enough numbers coming up on the back end to sustain it and the call that we made at the time was uh, that we would just focus on trying to bring in more players and continue to develop the players that we had in the organization to the best of their potential and ability um, and deal with what would happen um, when we could no longer sustain that, which came following the world's, our second world strip. Uh, in 2010. Right. So, yeah. And, and I mean, it, now, did you go two years later with the novice band? We did. Or we was took there them a back. three-year gap? No, we took them back uh, two years later in 2009 mm-hmm. because that band that we had brought in 2007, uh, right. many of them would still be eligible yeah. to play in 2009. We were going to lose a handful of them by 2010. So we thought... If we're going to go play in the juvenile, this that was the opportunity to take that group back. Yeah. So we went again. Uh, and with mostly a few additions, but a mostly repeat performance uh, yeah. in the next grade level up. Yeah. And then Ben did well there also. Ben did well yeah, there. Third. Taking third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- um, behind uh, George, George Watson's Watson. Ball Call and Bathgate, two of the most established juvenile programs in Scotland, and beating out uh, some very well respected juvenile programs that you know I've often looked up to so that was very that was a very cool experience at that yeah and uh, and then when you got back home from that trip though everybody was gone basically we well been, most players yeah were we, out. we tried to do a, a mixed age grade three band to keep the grade three band going but we just didn't have enough players meanwhile we had this grade five band that was developing and they were coming on really strong right and that band is the band that we have now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, this band has been. Uh, what's funny as well is the band that came that we had now came into the organization um, when it was in in a culture where the band went to Scotland. The band was really successful. You know, they didn't join. They joined an organ, an organ, a teaching program where they were at the bottom, but the band at the top was a successful entity, and so it was very clear. And I think yeah. that had a lot to do. I felt like the kids who joined the beginner classes at that point um, joined progressed a, faster. Yeah, they progressed and they, faster. Yeah, uh, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the that there was a clear path to be able to be a part of something successful mm-hmm. once they got into it. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. It's, I, I find it remarkable how, how um, you know, how that drives kids to get better and how much better they get. And um, it's a lot like, um, it's a lot like tuning up a band in a way in that um, it all happens at the last, in the, in the last home stretch, doesn't it? Totally. Oh, you know, yeah. like the band was really quite good, quite good, quite good. 
we went out at Bonnie Bray with, with the kids, and they were excellent at Bonnie Bray. Mm-hmm. You know, a few more good performances, and then it, it was just like, I think, in, in Vermark, being just a week or two away from going, and then in a week leading up, Right, it just sort of it shot up, skyrocketed. Several pe- couple people uh, in the bands that I've been chatting, we'll talk about this. The current band here, uh, since we've been home, have asked, you know, wow, it's just an amazing, you know, like how you know how good the, you know, what you know, what were you able to do with these kids? And it's like it has a, everything. This is a, a very well thought out uh, project that went uh, that took a year uh, and at didn't least. just in, in, at least over, it was a three, actually this world's trip was a three year project, yeah. um, that all of us, yourself, uh, myself, Maureen, um, were, uh, thoughtful of on for three years about how we would develop this band to go back to Scotland. It involved lots the, of, the, the key components are obviously the weekly, re- weekly rehearsals, the lessons, the monthly band days, and then we've done uh, mini camp the last couple of years, which had been either early in the summer or later in the summer, depending upon when Invermark was scheduled. And then yeah, a couple of days Invermark, after, we made every every player in the band go through uh, and pass an individual performance audition. Oh yeah, uh, this year, um, which I think probably for most bands of the grade four level would be pretty uncommon that every player in the band would be asked to. Yeah. step up and yes and no i mean a, a lot of successful bands do that sure oh yeah uh, it was interesting the timing was it was it was thoughtfully timed right like everyone well buy it, your plane tickets okay guess what now it's audition time right? well and what was yeah. interesting so you're committed but you ain't playing unless you're good enough right and i you know i was determined to make every kid pass the audition not everyone was comfortable with it no oh, no and what i did <laughs> i did it a little bit differently than what eric did but what i did was the first audition was the quick march set, the set that we would play in Scotland. And then it occurred to me, oh yeah, we're not going to play this set in the U.S. at all. Yeah, one of the challenges we had this year was the USPBA changed the rules yeah. uh, this year from M- quick march medley and medley to mini MSR and medley. So we took so, we took the two two the two two four marches, mm-hmm. split them up between the two sets, and then. Uh, um, we we competed throughout the season with those two sets, but one of the, then I realized, oh, well, you, if you've passed the audition on the quick march, you got to pass the audition on the other stuff because if you don't play the other stuff here in the U.S., then why would I think you're good enough to play in Scotland? They had right. to be field tested. Yeah, field tested. Field tested. Not not everyone, you know, not everyone does as well on the field as you know. Like so, some of your best players were maybe some of the weaker performers on the field. And then you have your sort of like... I don't know. We had like the the, the kids that were, you know, the ones who had to work the hardest, they were great at the world. Yeah, they had that's excellent... What I, that's kind of what I mean. Excellent performances. Yeah. A band is made up of not just really good players. There's also the ones who... You Struggle. Know, well, and it's not so much that they're not going to be excellent players, but in a, especially in a juvenile band, there are kids that are younger that aren't at the same level yet. As, right. other, as other players. Yeah. Right. But they still, you know, um, it's, yeah, I mean, that work ethic is going to help their piping for a long time to come. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are we doing for time? 37. 37. Are there any questions on the floor? 
Uh, does anyone have any questions for Eric and Maureen before we, I want to shift gears slightly, but uh, let me know if there are any questions. I actually can't see my screen, so. There are two are coming through. They might just be saying, nope, no questions. Still typing? Too much typing. Multiple typing. What's the future look like for the band? Ah, good question. So where are you going next? Well, we have, um, we had another turning point take place this past fall. Um, we've always, one of our ways of recruiting has been passing out flyers to schools and it's really hard to get into public schools. They don't want to get involved. Um, we've always been able to pass out flyers in Scotia. We've tried some other you know, districts in Schenectady um, and Catholic schools because they're very easy to, they'll pass out flyers for anything. Um, maybe not anything, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of things they probably wouldn't Probably have not, but they, um, Anyway, Kevin Rowe, who runs Celtic Hall, really wanted to get flyers into the South Colony School District. Um, we've been uh, rehearsing in Colony for the last couple of years. And anyway, I, I said to him, oh, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out, Kevin. And he... Anyway, we were able to get flyers into get flyers, the Colony School uh, District. Yeah. Uh, and, and we had we, a huge... We had a massive open house turnout last year. Uh, I think in the fall, we probably had about 20 new students walk through the door, uh, 12 pipers, eight drummers, something like that, which is a band, you know, of potential yeah. players. Yeah, we had a band show up. So um, the future looks uh, looks quite strong. A lot of the players in the current band right now are in a position where they'll be uh, either playing out or aging out onto uh, new things coming this fall. Um, and we have, uh, we're that's we're excited that they are able to do that and that we are in the process of fostering uh, a game plan for them to continue to improve and we've got our grade five band that's going to be moving the Scotia up glenville organization yeah the younger players will move in and we'll start sort of the next building up the next band would you say that you want to go back to the worlds again in 2014 uh, we definitely want to go back here in the next couple of years two three years one of the things that we'll look at is how uh how the band is coming along and what actually shakes out, but uh, another trip within the next couple of years is definitely yeah. uh, on cool. the on the map. Any other questions come through? Eric Morin, you are audition. great. DFL. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Ian asks, "How did the drummers audition?" Um, how did the drumming audition process? Oh, well, uh, I had them. Basically, a uh, similar thing. They had to go through. They had to go through the medley. Uh, they had to audition on the medley and the MS, and it involved them playing with me. Uh, every drummer had to pass an audition playing, playing with me. The lead drummer for the band had to had to play with me, and then had to play by himself um, to make sure that he was going to be able to do that. And then all the other players had to be able to play. Had to be able to play with me. And they all had pipers and drummers. If they didn't pass, they they kept auditioning until they passed. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. That you were. Oh yeah. You were. I, I had a rule where you could only audition once in a 24-hour period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you could, uh, but you could audition as many times as you wanted. And part of the reason why you could only do once in a 24-hour period is um, I wanted the pressure to be on. Right. Uh, yeah. I wanted the pressure on. 
when they set when they sat down to I would have said once a week when they sat down to audition um, and uh, I didn't want it to be you couldn't try three times in a day because you didn't have the you don't have the opportunity to do that in a contest yeah. you have to be able to play be good uh, and be prepared enough to be good when you want to be not at some point during the day so right. yeah yeah I think that's a big that's a big thing a lot of bands struggle with that anything else because I want here's what I want to ask next is if you, um, you know, I, I think a lot of our listenership is in various stages of building, you know, uh, their own band. You know, they might not be pipe major of a band, but, but they might be playing in a band that's trying to move forward. You know, what are some of the key things that you need to do to put together a successful band? And I know that you know this because at first it was decidedly not successful. No. So what were you, in, in a nutshell, uh, what, what did you do? What were you doing wrong at that point, if anything? And then what are some of the fundamentals that you learned along the way? You know, because I think it's pretty, routine's not the right word, but you're pretty confident that if you have, at this point, yeah. if you have a group of willing kids, you can put together a good band. Yeah. So like, yeah. What, are some of the, what are some of the things that maybe some people overlook? Maybe some people. For, for, okay, I can talk about, a little bit about the, the way um, that I that, with the drumming program. Uh, one of the things for me as I started teaching, um, one of the things that was really helpful for me at the time was uh, I would be teaching and working at developing students, and then Reed would come out, uh, and he would be very critical of certain gaps that were that were for him very, very critical, very important that uh, he felt I was overlooking or being too soft on. And, um, and it, Reed could sit down in, a, in an afternoon and just simply by insisting a level of expectation, he would get it by the time that he left. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I had to realize and that I, it was that you have to push, you have to figure out how to push the kids and push your students and push them to achieve a level uh, of expectation, and they will. And you have to, you know, I had to be taught how to, oh, yeah. how to know how to expect that from students at the beginner level, which was hard. Having having guest instructors come in to do these workshops um, is so important, and not only for me, but I've also worked with other bands as a guest instructor. And when when that happens. The people in the band think that they're working with, you know, fill in the big name, you know, fill in the name, so-and-so or whoever the guest coach is or whatever. Really, it's all about working with the pipe major or the lead drummer or whoever's doing the regular weekly um, instructing because a guest instructor, no matter who they are, they're going to come in and they're going to say some things and a lot of what they're going to say is exactly what the pipe major says on a weekly basis. But... Yeah. It's new. It's a different face. So I think it's really important to have have guest instructors. But I also like I think feel that it's very important to have to work with um, one or two individuals on a regular basis. I think the continuity of having Reed work with us over the years was way more important than just having a one off workshop with one particular individual. Yeah. Not that those other people didn't have something to offer, but I liked having that that long term. Yeah, it would Connection. be for me. It had a lot to do with figuring out uh, how to um, expect high standard from your students and uh, 
high level of improvement from week to week and then um, figuring out how to get the students to believe and get excited about the fact that it was achievable for them. Yeah. yeah. That were, those are two big parts uh, that I see along the way that played a big I think role there. One of the things for me that I see people struggling with uh, in pipe bands is how, how do you get your people to practice hard and, and practice well? well? Because I know a lot of people just don't practice. They go to band practice every week because they like to hang out with their buddies. Yeah. And, well, I'd like to answer that question. Um, but they don't, they don't practice enough. Well, and it's like, and I teach workshops I've, and I go places and I work with bands and it's like, here is a long list of things that you could do. And then I think you kind of know when you leave, no one's going to really commit to any of this. And it's all, it's all things that individuals need to do, and they're right. not doing it. Like, how do you inspire people to practice more? Well, here I do two things. Um, first of all, and I find this to be one of the most important things that I learned as a teacher, is the word no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say that was not acceptable. No, that's not good. Um, yeah, I do a lot of encouraging and, you know, pushing and... Um, whatnot, but it's okay to say, no, that wasn't good. Do it again. Do it again. Um, one of the other things I do and with the kids and I do it at different times of the year and I do it when I know the group is sort of ready as a group to do this, but I, I got this idea from Bob Shepard years ago and he puts the kids in a rainbow, puts them in an arc. And so when we have practice, they're in a rainbow, I'm in the center and Without even saying anything, they immediately figure out who's, whoever's at the top is the best player or has done well. And then I use the rainbow. I pit them against each other. So a little bit of competition is Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think... And I've, seen, and I've about, seen kids like, oh, I want to get away from the bottom. And then... Well, I think that all sums up and, you know, part of the, the trip to Scotland, too, all comes down to... Uh, setting goals and creating yeah. goals or, or marks, right? Like on a weekly level, you can you can create that goal of wanting to move up the rainbow, which might inspire someone to go home and they want to practice because they want to get ahead of Joey in the rainbow or whatever. Um, certainly, a trip to Scotland, um, but having a, a having, fantastic goal yep. uh, and motivator. So in a band, in a band, I mean, I know of the bands that I have worked with. Um, what if the band culture is different, though? Yeah, well, in the bands that I'm that, that I am, like, what if people? What if you risk? Okay, I'm going to put my people in a rainbow. Well, yeah. what if what if the guy just quits? Right. Well, I he think, doesn't like the idea that he's at the. Bottom I don't think of the it rainbow. has to be that competitive. Uh, it could be, but it doesn't have to be. I think the underlying concept of setting goals and creating creating attainable yeah. goals is is it. That's the that's absolutely. The, you, you have to have. A you goal. Know, uh, when someone's going to audition, uh, I've seen this a number of times, right? Someone's yeah, going to tough. audition. Someone's going to audition. Okay, they're not going to, they don't practice very hard. They gear up for the audition. They're practicing hard because they want to achieve the goal. Now, if they don't make it, the, the amount of practice that takes place in the next week is amazing. At least I saw yeah. that. It's amazing. I've seen that seen that in the Or More pipe band. I've seen that in the Scotia Glendale pipe band. The other thing uh -huh. is uh, standards and expectations, and that's what I meant about saying the word no. Um, I'm, I've seen a couple bands out there that have no standards, no expectations. Maybe a lot of good ideas, but no follow-through. No follow-through. You, yeah. you have to have 
a standard and an expectation. Um, and, and no matter what your level is as a leader in the band, you've got to put that goal and you have to put those expectations above where you think you can go and the band can go. Right. Any, is there some activity? Donald just had a, an insightful comment. Thank you, Donald. What was the comment? Uh, Donald says, uh, this has to be one of the most important interviews ever on the dojo. <laughs> Every person who's trying to build a better band could profit from this, DFL. I'm, uh, I'm, you glad you, I'm glad you... Is that profit <laughs> Thanks, like Donald. the R-O-P-H-E-T? <laughs> um, I think... Uh, oh, one of, things, one of the things I was going to say is... Um, uh, goals I've seen you see I've seen a lot of bands I teach a lot of bands at various different levels um, and I see there's some bands that I teach who are competitive who um, one of for me one of the great things about competing in bands striving to compete is the goal that it sets uh, yeah. and so that's a great thing not every band is competitive um, and so it's a struggle for those bands to progress bands who don't compete I think to progress and Last night, I was uh, in Manchester, Connecticut, teaching the Manchester Regional Police and Fire Band, who are a great example for me of a band who is figured out a way to move the band forward without competing, because uh, they've decided that they've focused on um, attending a number of tattoos overseas. They've done, uh, last year, they did a tattoo in Basel, Switzerland, and they're gearing up next year. They plan to do another one and uh, tattoo. And uh, for them, uh, this, this goal, they decided as an organization they don't want to compete. It's not their thing, but they focus. And I saw them last year work very, very hard as an organization to yeah. learn this music and get it up and, up and running. And it was a goal. That, and I was quite happy and excited about working with them because uh, in the same way that you teach a band who is competing, uh, and towards a goal, and they're work, working and making progress. This band was also working towards a goal and making progress and getting mm -hmm. better, and they were excited about it. So it was very cool. What do you think um, is the result? You know, what do you, I think? Do you think a lot of bands maybe focus too much on the result and less on the on the ultimate goal? Like, for example, um, you know, the kids won pretty much every time out this year. Which so is far. good. So far, right. <laughs> There's two more. more There's two more to go. <laughs> um, but um, let's say they hadn't won. Would you have been upset at not winning? No. No. And no, can I you wouldn't. Can have you tell where I'm leading you? Sort of. Yeah. There is a lot. There would, of course, be a level of disappointment. Um, and that's what that, you know, on some level. Well, but, there was one. There was, we, we were kind of hoping, we were kind of hoping at Bonnie Bray that they wouldn't win. Because we thought they needed. You thought they were being lazy bums and they couldn't stand to get their butts kicked. Yes. Yeah, that being said, I feel like the band really uh, rose to the occasion that day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like they played better than we expected them to play. They did. They did. Uh, which is it's always funny how that works, it's especially of, with kids. Especially with kids, it's one of the advantages that. Um, it's like, oh wait, where did you learn how to do that? They one of the things that they Maureen switch always, on. They yeah. you put them on a stage with lights and it's a show. They switch it on. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. Even with the little little kids. Yeah. Grade five kids are totally like that. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. 
you've never played, you know, <laughs> you've never played successfully before, but tonight you're like an all-star. You're like yeah. a grade level higher. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I think a lot of bands suffer, uh, you know, I, I think you get into the rut where you need to go to Bonnie Bray and, and you want to win Bonnie Bray. Um, <clears throat> there's problems with setting those types of small goals, aren't there? There is, and I, one of the things that... Those are just like, for, for the kids, those are, and Oren Moore as well, and a lot of people still don't understand this about Oren Moore, is those are just checkpoints, right? It's like, it's always we're building toward the big goal. The bigger goal. And then when we lose at the Worlds, then it's a major bummer. Okay, fine, but, you know, you're not too worried about the small things, or, 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 or you yeah. use that you're it's like a tool it's not a destination absolutely absolutely it's it's not it's a it is a tool and it's definitely not a destination because in the end as much as we love piping and drumming it's about way more than piping and drumming yeah like it's about way the, more the win is the is the icing on the cake right absolutely like... uh scotia glenville we have our our mo our little tagline motto whatever you want to call it is it's kind of dorky i came up with it but it's uh excellence through Music and dedication. Excellence through music and dedication. Music and dedication. And my my point is is hard work will get you somewhere. You'll achieve goals, and you might not always be successful. Um, we've had our ups and downs, and but teaching people how to be successful will help them to be successful in all areas of their lives. Yeah, I know that Maureen uh, Maureen was telling me about an email that she received from uh, one of the young players in the band. Uh, after the world that was uh, this is one of the older uh, older uh, she's a teenage 16 15 16 years old this girl who wrote Maureen uh, an email basically thanking her for everything that uh, that she was a part of this year and how um, you know she'd never been really all that great at any at any one particular thing um, had been involved in a lot of things but never felt like she was really excellent at anything and she felt like this trip and this year and yep. the band has taught her what is involved in being rising to the top of something and she and her summary statement was uh something to the effect of if you know i i've learned that if i can do this i'll be able to do this in other parts of my life and you know thank basically thanking maureen and telling you know explaining that she would take it's, that it's on not, with her, um, which is that's awesome i think a lot of people realize that and i know to a certain extent, or and more is the same way. It's like, wait a second. It's it's not rocket science, is it? Like what what we you know you guys and you know I've been there a little bit helping out. What you've done with the kids, it's not like rocket science. No, were, you're not asking them to do anything that's you know uh, no. magical or like superhuman or anything, is it? No. It's like what it really is. It's getting focused, getting organized, and uh, you know working to achieve a goal. Um, and you know you don't need to be perfect either, right? It's not magic, and I think uh, I think kids need to learn that. It's like yeah. you don't. It's not some sort of magical uh, uh, coincidence that the kids won at the Worlds. No, it's just hard work, and uh, you know there's a little bit of luck involved. You know there was a, a panel that was sympathetic to, you know what the you know what the kids were doing, and that being mm -hmm. said, I mean you have no control over the judges, and you have no control over the other bands. But at the same time, there's no coincidence that the kids were the best band on the day because, you know, uh, everything got put together, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, what do we got? We got some activity on the chats. 
Not really? Not really, no. Um, Eight times good. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. I think that's sort of, uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. I, I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts. Um, nope. Um, I mean, I have a question. Go ahead. Would you say that what were, would you say, how would you say that the Piper's Dojo and our teaching <laughs> philosophy influences the band? And don't give me, you be totally honest. Okay. I got to say. But, you know, like, um, Maureen, is, would you say what we're doing here is, is helping things? Absolutely. Right absolutely. I, I, um, I, I had put together my own materials for teaching. And when you got your stuff started, I looked at it and I said, Andrew, this is brilliant. I'm going to use this. And I've really, what has been great for, oh, he's passing me the money there now. You go, there you go, <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what, I, what I like about it, my philosophy as a teacher, as a bagpipe teacher, has been always been to teach people in the most efficient manner possible. The bagpipes should not be hard. And what you've done is you've simplified a few very important concepts, and then those, what we do technically gets applied on top of those concepts. And it's brilliant. I'll take more of this. <laughs> Thank you, Maureen, for that totally, <laughs> that totally candid response um, to that uh, question, which I definitely have not been, you know, thinking of <laughs> a week before the show. Uh, uh, oh, so you I, you see, just, it was just my, a manipulation yeah, to get. Oh, that's my, why you wanted me here. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for coming, Maureen. I. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe this. I'm wearing my um, dollar bill contact lenses. My eyes are just dollar bills right now. Um, but, uh, no, that's good. And, of course, that's what we're trying to do is uh, make things a little bit simpler. So, uh, I don't know. Let's wrap it up. What do you think? Do we have any more of the Oprah theme music to take us out? Oh, we got some questions here. Oh, we got thanks. some questions. No. We have oh, it's all questions. like thanks, yeah. Interview. They want to know if it'll be in the archives. Yeah, this um, this won't Congrats. be put in the archives, yeah. but it will be posted in the podcast section of the website. So when you click on, if you're at Dojo University, if you click on podcast, that's where the, all this stuff goes. Carl, if you send me a link, I'll put it on my Facebook page and on Scotia Glenville's <laughs> Facebook page. Is Donald being cheeky? No, one. Uh... Oh. <laughs> It, they want to know, Andrew, do you have any more water balloons for tonight? Oh, oh yeah. dude. Oh, I got more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw water balloons at the winners. <laughs> that was pretty fun. So uh, it wasn't my idea. It was I know, Mag it was Maggie's idea. idea. I know. And I just kind of went along with it. <laughs> she was like, hey, let's go jump off a bridge. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, good. That sounds pretty good. Good. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Andrew, for having us. Thank you for having yeah. us. No problem. <laughs> <laughs>